is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Learn everything you need to know to make a living outside the 9 to 5 grind and crush it at life. You'll learn from inspirational guests and in-depth discussions. Go from employee to entrepreneur and start creating a life you love and still pay the bills. So here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Let's get on with the show! This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status in recognition for their commitment to social entrepreneurship. I don't know what it was about delivering a talk at the University of Northampton yesterday, but I am KO'd. (laughs) It took it out of you. Yeah. It caught me snoozing on the train on your Instagram or on our Instagram. That's because you Snapchatted me against, <laughs> against my will. <laughs> it was entirely my fault. I, I deserved it entirely. <laughs> Making you wave, uncue. <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was almost like sooty and sweep. You can see the videos over at Power Nonsense on Facebook. Yeah, that's yeah. I put the Snapchat one on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't think you put the the me snoozing one on Facebook. And I'm quite glad of the fact. To no, be I haven't. Although you did look like a little sleeping baby. <laughs> I always look like a sleeping baby. <laughs> Dreaming about doing the next podcast. Yeah, dribbling. <laughs> and then I'll wake up crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So, um, yeah, we've got a really cool episode lined up, I think. Uh, which actually wasn't one that we were planning to do initially. And then... Um, well, Darren Brown did, did what Darren Brown does and blows everyone's minds. Um, but we were, I think we messaged each other. Yeah, because I watched it on an hour later, so I had to message you after. And by then you'd already been like spammed by me by like, <laughs> 25 texts. <laughs> yeah. But when um, when I started watching it and within the first sort of five, ten minutes, I was like, we've talked about this stuff on Powerful Nonsense. We should totally do an episode about this. We should probably let people know what we're actually talking about oh, first. Yeah, that's probably, probably a good <laughs> idea. So if you've not watched Darren Brown's The Push, um, I would definitely, definitely recommend it. In fact, I may even go so far as to recommend, if you've not watched it, maybe pause us now, go on to 4OD, or all four, as it's called now, type in Darren Brown, and give it a watch. Because mm-hmm. um, the episode, the concept basically is... Um, about social compliance, which we've talked about before, and this idea of um, can our addiction to authority be hacked to the point that you can be made to push someone off the roof of a building to their death? Over like a period of time? It's only like, in, uh, only was like, it like I think eight two, hours? Two hours? I it's think. only two hours? Yeah, I think so. It's crazy. I think it's, yes, it's a very short period of time. Um, so it was really, really interesting. And as soon as he talked about addiction to authority, I was like, yes! <laughs> Powerful nonsense! Well, yes! It's stuff we, we talk about it. in our talk, don't we, quite a lot about mm-hmm. authority, and it's just quite interesting to see. And what I actually like about um, Darren Brown at the moment, he seems to be going down this sort of self-development route because I went yeah. to his um, latest show as well. No spoilers, please. No spoilers. But, um, yeah, it's definitely worth going to. But it's just really interesting that he puts his information out there that's really like tangible for people and that's what I like he doesn't just sort of I mean maybe we we just talk about the concepts behind it but what I like is that like he gets people to watch because of that kind of concept of I'm going to get somebody to push another human being off of a building I think when people Mm. watch it it's so like shocking 
But then the bit that I find quite interesting is when you go away and you realise just how much this is actually happening in your in your day to day life. It's not mm-hmm. just you're not pushing people off a building, but actually a lot of what's happening around you is is moulding you to do actions that you think are your own, but actually in fact are being put upon us. Yeah, and and a friend of mine, um, I won't name any names in case <laughs> she's listening, although she'll know because we had this conversation anyway. Um, so she messaged me. She was like, "I'm not sure if, in that scenario, I would I would push them." And I was like, "Well, I think you I think you would." I was like, "A, you find it difficult to say no to people. You're a people pleaser." And B, um, like, on top of that, you've got Darren Brown using all these psychological techniques to make you push someone. I think you probably would. Um, I I don't know. I honestly don't know which way I'd fall. Um, but I think you can only kind of say that when you're not in the situation, when you're watching it going, well, I know Darren Brown's playing a trick, so of course I'm not going to push anyone to their death. But then if in your, when you're in that scenario, when you don't know Darren Brown's behind the curtain. <laughs> it's funny, actually, because I said that to my girlfriend as well. I was like, I reckon you would do it. And I was like, I don't know if I would. And I think people get really offended. And I guess you can't really, like you say, you can't really tell, but people get so offended that they think, that they could do something that is totally out of their character. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to that whole idea that you kind of hold on so strongly to who you are and then Darren Brown comes along and then could just nudge you and poke you in directions that you didn't even think was possible. Yeah. And we've seen in like previous um, programs that he's done how that could also be used in a massively beneficial mm. way, especially in the one he did about placebos. Yeah, and the one he did about um, luck as mm-hmm. well, I think we did an episode on luck, didn't yeah. we? On that, on that very, um, very episode. Um, I, I just always think <laughs> it'd suck to be in a relationship with Darren Brown, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no shit getting past him. Uh-huh. It's like, huh? Nice new outfit you've got there. Where did you get that from? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bought it from Primark. Bullshit. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think it's it's really nice to see that he's going down this route of uh, how can I improve people's lives as well as, you know, make them do crazy shit. <laughs> what I liked as well, which I thought was really timely, is is obviously in the episode you get these sort of highlight reels of current things that are going on in the, mm. uh, like in the economy, in mm-hmm. the world, ISIS, you've got politics, you've got global warming, all these things. And I think ultimately this is why he puts that stuff out there because he's trying to say, look, I know you're getting a lot of incoming messages, but just understand underneath that, like what are those messages actually doing to you? Mm -hmm. And obviously people think, yeah, I saw a post on Facebook and they think, yeah, it just passes by. But he's trying to say, actually, just that little nudge, just that first little um, appearance of seeing something, which we kind of know straight away from when the episode starts, when he calls it that whole foot in the door technique Mm. and what I really liked was like it only took him I think the I'll, I'll share obviously make sure you go and watch the episode before you listen on but the bit where he kind of got the guy to the first thing he got him to do was to switch the tags on the vegetarian sausage rolls yeah and he said well they're not vegetarian but just put them on anyway and he's yeah. like I can't do that and his guy was like look just do it we've got to get on with the show and I think that was for me one of the most powerful points in the whole episode because like mm-hmm. he said that foot in the door was the, was basically what opened the the whole gangway for the whole the rest of what happened to the push that was the yeah. catalyst for the push yeah and that was something as simple as changing some little um arrow thing what are they called again the, the little flags on the cocktail yeah the little sticks. flags on the cocktail sticks and that was the first thing and then that's where i think what he's trying to say is because 
on Facebook, you might get one little single message about something mm. and you think it just passed you by, but actually that could be the catalyst for so much more to happen. Yeah, and I think that's something just in general, let alone with regard to addiction to authority and stuff, but just in general, I think that's a really interesting thing to be aware of is sometimes what you think are these little tiny things which aren't a big deal can go on to have some massive effects on you psychologically whether that's in the immediate future or sometimes even the distant future like if you think about all of your quirks and things that um that you have that seem a little bit unusual like how many of them do you actually not know where they came from mm-hmm. um because I've got loads. <laughs> I just don't know does. where they came from. There are some more bigger ones where you're like, oh, well, yeah, well, I know where that came from, from that particular traumatic period of my life. But there are others, these little ticks that is just like, yeah, I have no idea why I do that. I just feel a need to do it, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, the the foot in the door technique and the the sort of reciprocity of it, I found really, really interesting. And this idea that you can just because you've um, done such a small act of obeying authority, you then kind of just dig this, dig yourself this hole of, well, I've said that I'd do that. So I can't really say I won't do that. And it's kind of that, that almost difficulty of drawing the line in the sand of where, no, I won't, I won't do that. Mm-hmm. I found really, really interesting. Yeah, and I think what's really key to think about is like it's not that these kind of techniques work like one at a time, one after the other. I think there's like a little ecosystem of behaviours that kind of manifest in, in one group. It's kind of like like you say, you've got the re- um, reciprocation there that somebody, you've done something for somebody and so now suddenly you want to be consistent because you want to be seen as the good guy. Look, I help you out. And then you know if if you've done something for them, you know you can get a favour back off off them but also at the same time they know that you're somebody that went against the grain went against something that you was initially saying that you wouldn't do mm-hmm. okay how much further can we go and even like the part the part in the show where they started putting the guy's body into the box oh. it just blew my mind actually that so many people actually did that because i'm like in your head this is a dead body and it's at a live event and you're gonna put it in a box yeah. yourself and i was just like I really didn't get it. I was like, it's really, really crazy. But at the same time, like in that mix, in those emotions, like you could see that people were clearly distressed. And I think Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of the time, I think when you are in that sort of irrational state where something is so out, like, is this even real? Mm -hmm. I think we actually look for an authority. And if that happens to be the person that is doing the manipulating and then suddenly that's where it gets scary because at that time, when, and I think that happens with everybody, when you feel in a panic or a stressed state, like really your rational brain kind of goes offline for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and you look for someone to guide you in, a, in the right direction. Exactly. And people look for that leader who's the person that seems to have their head together. It's why we're so kind of like, um, we admire like motivational people or business people because... Mm. A lot of the time in our lives, we kind of feel like we've got, we're like in some stress state. We're just trying to survive. Yet we look at someone who's a multimillionaire and suddenly they've got everything together. And so if they say, follow what I do, we're like, oh, well, it seems from the outside that they know what, yeah. what to do. And so we follow them. And that's the scary part is that it's quite easy for people who kind of know this stuff to kind of put themselves in that position of authority. Right. And that, that's the really scary thing, as you say, is, is that 
there there are very intelligent people out there that know how to manipulate people. There are there are people that have built m- many a career off of manipulating other people and i think that's that's scary when they get into positions of authority or even when you put them into a position of authority because really i think when you look at the guy that was doing the manipulating in that scenario he wasn't really that much of an authority figure in Mm -hmm. the whole event no he was just the guy running the event he didn't really have all that much authority certainly not not enough authority to say no don't phone the police don't phone an ambulance i've got this under control let's put the body in a box because quite frankly my event is more important mm-hmm. than making sure that this body is dealt with in the correct manner and that it's investigated correctly so instead make yourself a suspect <laughs> because my live event is more important uh-huh and i think sometimes that kind of works two ways because initially you think obviously um Darren Brown has done shows where he's actually dressed people up to become, to be visually authoritative. Mm-hmm. But I think in this one, he played to the idea that actually you would do more for somebody that you like who's on your level. And this guy was kind of like, look, we'll, we'll sort it after. We're in this together. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it when we need to. And it was kind of like more of a friendly, and you kind of trusted him because of that way that he was acting, really. Mm-hmm. And also there's that... Um that social validation because this guy I believe was there because it was potential for business, a business opportunity yeah. for him. Um, and so he obviously wanted to appeal to this guy, um, for the potential of this business and taking his business further and, and being able to, you know, proving that he's good enough for the job. Yeah. Despite the fact that, you know, he's never going to have to dispose of a dead body. Um, <laughs> and that kind of, that, that need to be a, a people pleaser, which is why I said to my friend, you know, I think I think you would push them off. You'd, <laughs> you'd get entrapped in that scenario where you've said yes so many times that you've dug yourself a hole, mm. and now you can't get out. And the only way you can get out is to push them off, push them to their death. Yeah. Um, which was the whole concept, really, is that it's that knowing when you need to start saying no mm-hmm. and where that line is, because if you are unaware of where that line is, you'll realize when it's too late. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really, 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 really interesting. I'm quite interested to see, obviously, they probably had so many different takes they did of how many people they pulled out because they didn't comply as quickly as possible. But obviously, even when the main guy who's, who's kind of like the head of the show starts to not comply when it's not mm-hmm. like, don't, like when he wants to kick the guy on the floor, they say uh-huh. kick him to bruise him and stuff like that. That sort of points where you're like, oh, okay, because even Darren Brown was kind of shocked because he'd kind of been like, well, you've done so much compliance already mm-hmm. and now you're starting to reject. And then obviously, well, are we going to tell the kind of ending what happens? Or No, I don't think so. I don't okay, think we'll so. leave the ending out. But but yeah, it's kind of that idea that, like you say, when do you stop? Like, do you have the power to kind of say no after you've done so many compliances? And I think mm-hmm. so many people in their lives are complying in so many aspects of it, but because they've been like, through repetition, been complying consistently mm-hmm. and yeah i think we was going to kind of like talk about where we kind of feel that compliance starts mm-hmm. but before we go into that um we do need to take a little bit of a break and thank our sponsor university of northampton uh we are ex-students ourselves of the university and they've been a big supporter of what we're trying to do um And although we often talk about, you know, where we think education can sometimes not get it right, I think these guys are really spot on. 
Um, they specialize in social entrepreneurship. So it's about building your business to have a social uh, message and a social impact and do good in the world whilst making you a profit as well, which are all things that we love <laughs> anyway. So check them out. Um, they've got so many opportunities available to their students. So if you are thinking of going to university, getting a degree, and also thinking of setting up your own business as well. These are the guys for you. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk, and we'd like to thank them for their support of the show. Um, Also, we are doing our first ever book giveaway on PowerfulNonsense.com, and we're giving away Seth Godin's Icarus Deception. Um, Gem, do you want to briefly, just just quickly briefly describe the Icarus Deception? What we like about the Icarus Deception, which actually feeds really well into this episode, is the fact that it's all about this idea that we're so compliant to not fly too high. Like Icarus obviously was told not to fly too high because he'd get burnt in the sky, and I think what Seth Godin is saying here is kind of, yeah question those things that are going on around you and Mm -hmm. stop letting people kind of set your ceiling to success and again it's it's great for any artist out there and if you've Mm -hmm. i think with seth godin if you read one of his books you're going to end up buying the rest so (laughs) there is a danger in that but honestly it's a great book to read and it's on our top list of books that we think every graduate should read but i think it'd be valuable for anybody yeah i yeah i think i've hadn't realized actually how relevant it was to this episode which is great um but yeah so if you want to enter the contest to uh get a free copy of seth godin's icarus deception uh you've got a couple of days left to enter um to go to powerfulnonsense.com forward slash book and the um contest will end on monday the 29th so that was a good bit of um scarcity tactics we just used wayne Yes. Which is part of compliance. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to compliance. Um, yeah, what I actually thought was really interesting was watching the uh, compliance test that he did for all of the people that had applied. Oh, yeah, that was one actual thing I was telling loads of people, but it, it just cracked me up so much. It was so good. And the thing was, as well, is as an actor who's been to plenty of auditions and castings and stuff, I could totally see so many actors putting themselves in that scenario. Uh, the compliance test was essentially you had a room full of chairs and you came in, you sat down in a row, and... Um, it started off with one person in there filling a form. Uh, it was started off with actors. Yeah, it was actors. Yeah. It was actors uh, just filling out uh, their form, and they'd been told that every time they hear the bell ding, they had to stand up or sit down, depending on whether they were stood up or sat down. Um, and then they'd start start to bring in the people who had actually applied one by one, and seeing if they'd begin to follow suit, despite the fact never being told that they had to stand up or sit down when the bell rang. Um, And by the end of the whole test, uh, when they had a full row, um, after the actors had left, um, they continued to stand up and sit down, even to the point where he was dinging the bell like every five seconds. Uh And all they were doing was just standing up and sitting down. They weren't doing anything else. The forms had been filled in. It was just a really clever experiment. And, And... but really not surprising to the result either. Well, it's funny because there was that one girl that came in and she just sat down the whole time and he quickly removed them. It was like, get mm-hmm. her out of the way. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. Like, at the end, when you've got 20 people literally sitting up and down to a bell and there is no backstory for why they should be even doing it. Nobody's told them to do it. Yeah. And it was bizarre. And even that was a thing that people were like, would you do it? Would you do it? And it's kind of, these things are actually... What I like about Darren Brown is he understands humans to the core. Like this is not just like a top layer. This is like an old Jurassic version yeah. of us that is kind of right. doing the sitting down and standing up. It's, it's that fitting I, in with the tribe. 
And we even yesterday we did that talk um, at university at the university, and we had this little oh yeah um, bowl of sweets that we were giving out, and we were basically saying what we did. We had um, eighty sweets in a bowl. Seventy nine of them were like purple Vimto sweets, and we had one yellow one in there, and we gave them out to all the students, and it was quite funny because. Um, as we give them out, everybody chose a purple one. And then at the end, we was like, oh, did anybody see the yellow one? And then they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we saw it. And I was like, so why didn't anybody choose it? And I think what happened was that each person saw that each per- each other person had kind of chose a purple one. And mm-hmm. because everybody kind of wants to socially conform with one another, nobody wants to go for the thing that stands out. Nobody wants to go for the yellow one that could potentially be like defected. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting that even in that stance that people look around at each other mm. it, even my mum started going to a um yoga class recently and she obviously she doesn't well she hasn't gone to yoga classes before and I was talk, talking to her about Darren Brown and she was like yeah the first thing I did when I walked in was kind of look around to see how people were laying their mats down what kind of clothing <laughs> they were wearing how they were speaking to each other because it's a natural human trait for us to actually yeah. fit in as quickly as possible and if and if you don't, you kind of feel like you might get kicked out of the tribe. And it kind of goes back to that idea that if you don't fit in, you die. <laughs> yeah. And that is ultimately what it goes back to at our core, yeah. right in the core of our brain thinks that. Yeah, well, it's that if you don't if you don't conform to what the rest of the tribe is doing, the tribe's going to kick you out of the tribe. You're going to be left on your own in the wilderness uh, to survive. And yeah. your chances of survival when you're on your own and isolated are slim to none. Mm-hmm. Or at least they were. <laughs> and our brains have developed these mirror neurons that are looking at other people so that we can mm-hmm. copy traits. And it's yeah. And that's what I find fascinating when you look in society is why fashion goes through these phases where haircuts mm-hmm. on what when we was at school curtains was all the all the rave and or then, even certain turns of phrase. Uh-huh. Um like there was what was it? There was something that I uh it was something specifically London. I can't even remember what it was. But then I start, I put it into my vocabulary for a while and then realised that I'd done it and then stopped. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm a brummy boy. Oh, yeah, that's that's one of the things, actually, like glass and bath. Because I'm a brummy boy. So mm-hmm. glass and bath are a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas down here, it's glass and bath. Yeah. And if somebody... What's, what's happened with me working behind a bar is if somebody goes oh, yeah, can I have a, a spare wine glass? I'll then feel like a right dick going, yeah, here's a wine glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because then it's almost like me going, no, you say glass, not mm-hmm. glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I've then changed my vocabulary to match what they've said, mm-hmm. um, which is just another form of social compliance. There's no reason why I should even need to do that because nobody's going to go, you're being funny, mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I say glass instead of glass, like, yeah, it's a really like I say, it's just an old-fashioned human nature thing that we do, and it, I think that's the thing. All of these things that are manipulated, uh, are like Darren Brown uses to manipulate mm-hmm. people, are things that are just at our core. They're our core processes, and that's how he kind of manages to like tap into them. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so let's actually talk about our addiction to authority because I don't think we've really touched on that. We've talked about. Uh, compliance, social validation, and all that sort of stuff. Let's talk about our addiction to authority. Well, I think, obviously, addiction starts, and and authority is something we look for from birth. Like, we look Mm -hmm. at our parents to kind of guide us in what we should be doing, and people worry that they become their parents. It's kind of like, well, actually, they were the first person to kind of set your beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then, like we've spoke about a lot of the time, it then goes into schooling, and it's kind of, 
like why we talk about entrepreneurship and why it seems like you're going against the grain, which it is, it's like picking out that yellow suite. It's not the norm. Mm. And so that's why it's very hard for people to comprehend because when you've kind of gone to school and you're so used to this whole nine to three or nine to five, obviously mm. go to school, put on your uniform, listen to the teacher. The teacher then becomes your boss when you get a little bit older. And these kind of systems are in place. And you've got to think like you're getting that process and you're getting that authority put into you from such a young age that it makes no sense for why you would maybe leave education yeah. and then start doing something on your own because it's yeah. just not part of your reality. Your reality is, no, I look for the authority, which is either my teacher, which now I've been told is my boss. Mm-hmm. And then that's just how you do things. Yeah. And then people don't question it and they don't, they don't want to question it and it's scary because mm-hmm. that's that's why entrepreneurship is not something that people is so glamorous but then yeah. like well it's we, only glamorous now it's yeah. it's only recently become glamorous and I think it's only recently become glamorous because of the Facebooks and Googles and Apples of the world mm-hmm. um, like 20 years ago like being self-employed or being an entrepreneur was like nothing special mm-hmm. um, and, and really I mean going back to to school um, I do think there is a lot of actually, actually there is a lot of value in what school does in many respects. Yeah, and, and it's it's some of the things that I miss working from home on my own is that when the bell rings, you know, task over, mm-hmm. you get five minutes to walk to your next lesson. You yeah. can you get your five minute break as you're walking from lesson to lesson. Mm-hmm. Then the bell rings again. You, if you're not at your lesson, you're late. You're going to be in trouble. Um, and then there's your lunches at the same time every day. You finish work at the same time every day. And I, I do like that systemization. You know where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be working on. And that's one of the things that I really, really struggled with when I first started working for myself was that structure um uni was the same except it didn't have the bell system they took Mm -hmm. the bell system away at uni but it was the same the same concept so i think um even as an entrepreneur i think sometimes that addiction to authority is still there is kind of what i'm trying to say that that need to kind of be have somebody going well you're supposed to be here working on this right now because when you haven't got that structure and you haven't got that authority whether that is just because you've put it in your diary Things can quickly go off track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main yeah. difference. I think the main difference really between like that sort of because that's why I think a lot of people get into entrepreneurship because they think yes, freedom, no, no rules, no structure. But I think if anything, the thing that we've learned the most is actually when you become an entrepreneur, you do have to re-put those structures in. And I think the difference really is that you're setting those, um, you're setting those barriers, you're setting those uh, structures for yourself. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the time. Like even um, like a lot of the time, people just don't question the current structures they're in. So like the work structure, the nine to five system is just the way it is because it's the way it is. But then that's the bit that I feel that people need to question the most because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. There are people who are working eight till four and pro- I mean not eight till four, sorry, maybe ten till four, yeah. and they're getting just as much pay and they're doing things differently. It's just that they don't do it because they know that's the way it's done. They just they can question it. They can step back from it. And I think that's why people kind of like the whole entrepreneurship thing, because it is you making the decision. Because I do think as humans, we need structure. Mm-hmm. We do need we do need authority as well. We need to look, we want progression. So we need to look at somebody who seems to be slightly ahead of us mm-hmm. or slightly more in control or slightly more happy or slightly more stronger, whatever it is. Yeah. So these are things that we we need, but I think it's just going like, like peeling up the, the layer and going a little bit deeper and understanding mm-hmm. why that's happening. I think... 
I mean, I spoke to, um, I've been speaking to Derek Sivers on um, on email at the moment. And he said, I was like, what would you say that like all young people should be learning like the most? And he said, just constantly learning about the human condition and how we work because they're the things that are future proof. Like if you, mm-hmm. the more you know about your inner workings, the more you have control over yourself, more mm-hmm. you can put yourself in in the in the in the way to be happy in the way to be healthy in the way to mm-hmm. make money and i think that is ultimately Darren brown's message when he puts out these episodes it's like stop being on autopilot like yeah because being on autopilot has its risks mm-hmm. and it might lead you to pushing someone off a building or it might lead you to being in, being in a job for 60 years and then mm-hmm. realizing that you aren't doing anything that makes you happy yeah and i think what's really interesting about uh, what he's doing at the moment is, and in fact, across his whole career, really, is he has broken down your psychological programming and and how your brain works and the computer system, and he has hacked it. He knows how to hack various ways about how your brain works. Um, and what's interesting is the fact that actually you can do it the other way around. If you look into a way, the way your brain works, whether it's you're trying to form new habits or whatever then if you can work out how that program works and then you can hack that program and, and utilize it to your advantage. Um, Darren Hardy, um, who I get daily emails from for his uh, Darren Daily thing, which I definitely recommend, he's all about productivity and he knows so much about hacking how that how that brain works. To go, well, your brain's going to tell you to do this, so use that, even though because you're fighting it that's why it's not working so embrace it own it and then use it to your advantage and i think that's what darren brown does really really well except he takes it down the negative route to go see what i can do (laughs) be careful no i think that's exactly right and i think that's it it's about making sure that people understand these workings and bring it to the mainstream i think that's what um there's a great book by um dr robert cialdini six Mm. principles of influence and i think that was his whole idea was that marketers and people selling you things know this stuff but if the consumers don't know it then they're just willfully following along right with whatever's being pushed at them and like we were saying like we're in the age of technology like is this affecting compliance is it mm-hmm. is it making us more compliant there's so much more information coming at us and so we need to know how to process it by knowing how we work mm-hmm. and you were saying before we uh, hit record about how that technology and that information is now dismantling that authority in many respects because uh will the <laughs> the authority is going well here's how it is and we're going yeah but it's not how it should be. Um, I, in fact, I've, I put, put something out about, I don't know if you've heard about Netflix as an example. And the, um, the you know, the technology where you can turn off your IP address so Netflix thinks you're in another country so you can view the US. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix are finally cracking down on that. Mm-hmm. I say finally like it's a good thing. I don't think it is a good thing. But and the reason that the that you can't access various bits of content in different countries is because the content creators haven't given them that country permission to Mm -hmm. broadcast it via that channel Mm -hmm. as an example and basically it's if you think of each tv program as a cinema ticket they want people to stamp that cinema ticket as many times as they can because then they get more money out of it um whereas 
because the technology is available to everybody to not have to do that, everybody's going, well, why should we have to do that? Like, we can view the content anywhere in the world, so why are you stopping us from doing it? Yeah. And that's that's an example of where the technology has got to the point where we're going, well, that's stupid. Like, why would you even do that? And I think where we're going to see the real battlefields, <laughs> really, the political battlefields, are going to be in these areas where technology is kind of proving to people, well, actually, you don't need to do it that way. That's stupid. Well, I think that's why you've got these communist countries and some countries who are trying to filter the internet. And I think mm. that is because we know in the internet has a very powerful place in where we're going to go in the future. And mm-hmm. I think that is where people are going to start questioning for it. I think that's why loads of entrepreneurs have started to come out in the world. It's because, oh, there's a that we can do this differently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to question authority is just a Google search away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think... It, it's going to be really interesting to see how that addiction to authority is going to start to break down over the, the next few years. So there we are. That Darren Brown documentary, it was so good. Yeah, and there's so many... Um, we both we both went, let's change our episode. <laughs> I, I wanted to put it in the mix because I do think there's so much to it. And I think don't just... Like the thing with me, when I watch one of these episodes, I want to know like how the hell he did it. And that's why when I actually came off and I thought, okay, I want to do a show about this, I thought, yes, that's an opportunity to kind of learn a bit about how it actually works. Mm-hmm. And if you go online, we're going to link up to so many like resources yeah. on the show notes. So like, make sure you go there because when I do my research for the show... I'll just find so many interesting links and I think if you can have a look at them you'll be like oh that's how it works Yeah, (laughs) because there's so many techniques we didn't get to share on the show which I just think you'll find amazing yeah we have barely scratched the surface Um, also if you haven't checked out the Darren Brown uh, episode definitely check it out Uh, it'll be on all four Um, please hit us up with an iTunes review it will really really help boost the show and also hit us up with questions and thoughts on twitter that would be lovely uh handle is at pn underscore podcast we'd love to get talking to you guys a little bit more so thanks very much for tuning in and we will catch you next time see you later